The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. It is a special day, unless you want this day, and special because John William Breach III, let that part up, is back with us. Turns out uh, Devo Breach was here yesterday. Uh, didn't tell anyone, so he didn't join us for the Deshaun Watson Emergency Podcast. John Breach, how was your vacation? Well, let me tell you, Wilson, I saw a lot of dolphins, which kind of ties into uh, today's topics. Also, if my hair looks ragged, I don't think I've showered in like six days. Uh, I'm still haven't unpacked. There's a lot going on here, but the, you know what? The important fact is that I'm back, and you know what? I did keep quiet yesterday. I didn't. I I wasn't mentally prepared to handle Brinson yet. I needed another mm. day, and so now I am here. And Brinson's not, so I get another day. Uh, but yep, Wilson, I am ready to roll with. Uh, I mean, just it's, it's news just keeps flying out the entire month of August. So two oh days in God. August, we've had two crazy things. I know. So I suppose it's appropriate that we're talking about MIA Miami because Brinson is always, it seems, over the summer <laughs> missing in action. I need this little soundboard to dunk on him. But yeah, so the Dolphins, a day after Deshaun Watson's uh, six-game suspension, which feels like it'll probably increase if the NFL appeals this thing. That's the conversation for another time. But the NFL weighed in. Maybe. So I, I'll go deep conspiracy theory here, Breach. So NFL weighed in on Tuesday, August 2nd about Stephen Ross's uh, and the uh, minority owner, Beal, I believe his last name is, uh, they're tampering with Tom Brady in 2019 when he was still a member of the Patriots. They tampered with Tom Brady again. By that, I mean they spoke with him uh, outside the confines of what's legal uh, in the NFL's, NFL's view. Spoke with him again in 2021 when he's a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, um, I think, December and maybe even January. And they also spoke with Sean Payton before he announced he was going to take a little time off from coaching the Saints. Um, fun fact, Don Yee is the agent for Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Now, this has been an ongoing investigation for four months, four months or so. I think Mary Jo White was the lead investigator, and we've heard her name in previous NFL-related investigations 
Uh, I'm pretty sure a former prosecutor, I'll double check that. Do you think in my tinfoil hat conspiracy brain that this was announced a day after Deshaun Watson to perhaps distract from what the NFL might be planning to do or to not do as it relates to Deshaun Watson? And then you can weigh in on the actual implications of this for Steven Ross and the Dolphins. I don't think that's completely crazy as a theory because, look, you do have all this. You, you had such a topic that is not divisive. Everybody's just almost on one side except for Browns fans. That, hey, look, this guy didn't get suspended long enough. There's no such thing as a nonviolent sexual assault. Just You had all of these negative things being said about the punishment against Deshaun Watson, and then you flip the script and you move to this Dolphins thing where pretty much everybody agrees the Dolphins probably deserved a punishment. And the NFL has, is not going to get any blowback here except for from maybe Stephen Ross. So I don't think it's crazy, uh, your conspiracy theory. I also think it's interesting that Tom Brady is mentioned in this uh, punishment multiple times. He did not get punished, but he's uh, mentioned this investigation multiple times. And this came out the day before his birthday. Happy birthday, Tom Brady. You're going to spend your next press conference answering questions about this for 45 straight minutes. So that should be a fun way to start your 45th year. And then <laughs> uh, my tinfoil hat. Do you think that they put this out here to say that, Hey, we do suspend owners. Cause remember the, one of the key parts of the NFLPA's uh, argument, why Deshaun Watson should not be suspended or get a lesser suspension was because the NFL wasn't giving owners these punishments. Robert Kraft didn't get punished. Uh, why should Deshaun Watson? Jerry Jones didn't get punished uh, for the cheerleading scandal. They didn't even investigate it. Daniel Snyder, whatever the heck is going on there, he didn't face any suspension. And so now if the NFL does appeal, they can be like, well, we suspended Stephen Ross. Now we've kind of flipped the script. We're suspending people now. And so now we're going to up Deshaun's suspension. We're getting Stephen Ross suspension. Everybody's getting suspended now if they do anything. That's actually an interesting one as well. You are you and Brinson are bigger in conspiracy theories than I am, but I think that – it feels like even if we're just sort of making up these conspiracy theories, if there is even a nugget of truth to it, it feels like the NFL is trying to spend so much time covering their tracks. If they just did the right thing initially, it might be a lot easier for them. But that's a lot easier to say when you're dealing with billionaire owners who are used to getting in their ways and they get angry. And then you find um, the billionaire who's easiest to target, and perhaps that's Stephen Ross. And the, the funny thing, not ha funny, but interesting funny, uh, about the – uh, the report that came out from the NFL is, is that uh, it also found that there was no Stephen Ross, uh, no evidence of Stephen Ross um, trying to get the Dolphins to tank for Tua uh, prior to, to that draft a couple of years ago. Brian Flores came out during the Senior Bowl back in late January or mid-January and said, um, you know, he was offered $100,000. And according to the report put up by Manager White and the NFL uh, commented on, that uh, if that had been said in that way, and it was unclear the exact wording of of, of that quote unquote proposal, it was more than likely said in jest. Um, one thing that JJ so brought they're not up, saying he didn't say it. They're saying that he probably said it, but he was also probably joking. Um, and that's mm -hmm. what the, the exact words by the NFL investigation. Uh, was that Mr. Ross offered to pay Coach Flores $100,000 to lose games, as which, but there are differing recollections about the wording, timing, and context. Uh, so that's not a strict denial. Um, and we didn't mention off the top here that the Dolphins got docked a first-round pick. Ah, thank you, yes. First sir. team yeah. to lose a first-round pick since the Patriots lost one for Deflategate 
Um, and then they also lost a third round pick in 2024. First round pick in 2023, third round pick in 2024. Yeah. Also worth noting, of course, I, I can't find the actual report. So you you can uh, find the specifics for me. But there was uh, one of the findings, uh, one of the write-ups in the report was that, um, let's see, Stephen Ross was more at, at times said he was more concerned about the draft than that season's win loss record. Um, uh, but not to the point where he said actively lose games. So the findings were that Brian Flores and his team played hard, especially at the end of the season where they, I think beat the Patriots and, and won another football game. But as JJ pointed out on, on HQ Tuesday afternoon, the implication is when you say I'm more concerned about the draft in the current season is that you want to lose football games because your draft standing sort of important, especially if you want a quarterback, especially if you're quote unquote tanking for Tua. And, and I think there's probably some credence to that. But again, if the evidence isn't there, whatever, you, you can say a lot of things, but if you can't necessarily explicitly say, this is what this means. Um, typically, I mean, obviously the NFL likes to punish people randomly, but typically in, in the U S criminal justice system, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're guilty of doing what you are accused of. Right. And I think the other part here is that I would think that any owner who has a last place team after week 11 or week 12 is secretly rooting for their team to lose. If you're, if you have no shot at the playoffs, you don't want your team to win. I mean, that's what it boils down to. So uh, <laughs> if Ross started saying this as the investigation says, uh, you know, midway through the season, then that's not that crazy. They said he said it most frequently to team president and CEO Tom Garfinkel and general manager Chris Greer. So you have those are the two people that would be your confidants. They're saying, guys, we just need to lose. We can't we're eliminated from the playoffs. Our team's horrible. Let's just lose so we can get to the draft and uh, get the number one pick and get Joe Burrow. And then, uh, you know, ironically enough, they, they end up winning two crazy games toward the end of the season against the Patriots and Bengals, which cost them any shot. Really, the, the win over the Bengals. Uh, cost him any shot at the number one overall pick. Um, and, you know, the other thing about the the $100,000 thing, and I know a lot of people on Twitter are saying, uh, how could you say something like that in jest? And, like, I don't necessarily agree with the NFL, th- with their investigation findings, but I don't think it's completely implausible that somebody made a statement like that in jest. Like, I have hung out with my brother before and been like, dude, I'll give you $100 if you – drink that cat litter that has cat poo in it and like i don't expect him to do it it's just i'm I'm half serious half joking maybe we're drunk i don't know but if he did it i would give him the money because he fulfilled the bet but it's not like a real thing does that make sense no it makes total sense and it's funny um Brian Flores is uh, Brian Flores released a statement and so did his, his lawyers. And Brian Flores basically says, I'm thankful the NFL's investigators found my factual allegations against Stephen Ross are true. And, and I'll interject here and say at the time when Brian Flores made these, when this stuff started coming out in January, I think everyone probably including you, but I know me, especially like, Oh my God, Brian Flores has taken a blowtorch to all this. He will never work again. And everything better be true because it's going to have long-term implications uh, to his ability to be employed as a football coach unless he wants to coach junior high or something. A few months later, he got hired to be the Steelers linebackers coach. Um, Kevin Colbert came out and couldn't speak highly enough about Brian Flores at the Combine, I believe. Mike Tomlin, the same. The players have all been supportive and real no real pushback. Even from Steelers fans, they were happy to have him. And it seems like the, I don't know if the worm has turned is, is the saying here, but it seems like the spotlight has been put on Stephen Ross and it shows that he, in fact, did some of these things. And I'll go in and read what 
Brian Flores also wrote. So he continues, at the same time, I'm disappointed to learn that the investigator minimized Mr. Ross's offer and pressure to tank games, especially when I wrote and submitted a letter at the time to the Dolphins executives documenting my serious concerns regarding the subject. And that's sort of what you're getting to, Breach. And I think, look, and we talked about this yesterday with Deshaun Watson. If you're going to um, suspend Calvin Ridley for a year, for gambling on his phone using his name because he forgot to use his <laughs> Ralvin Kidley. Burner. Yeah, his Ralvin Kidley burner account. And if, if this goes to the integrity of the game, this feels like a an egregious breach of that integrity. And, and Brian, I'll just read one more thing for Brian Flores. When the integrity of the game is called into questions, fans suffer um, and football suffers. And I think that's fair. So, um, Stephen, uh, excuse me, Brian Flores' attorneys also issued a statement that basically said that Ross has suffered no real um, repercussions for his actions. He can't show up into the uh, into the facility until the middle of October. I mean, who gives a crap about that? He can stay in his, his mansion wherever one he chooses. Uh, what do you think about the disconnect between Calvin Ridley, year-long suspension for gambling, and gambling in, in another form when you're asking your coach to tank? And by the way, the coach wrote a letter, so there's written evidence that this, that this took place, it's submitted to the Dolphins at the time, uh, where do you come down on that? Even though t- you mentioned the cat litter joke, uh, I-, I get that as well. Well, right. And so if the NFL is not sure what the context is, I don't know why they would side with Ross automatically and say, oh, it was obviously a joke when it very well could have been serious. And if you have multiple people telling multiple different versions of the story, uh, there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. I would have just suspended Stephen Ross for the entire year because then there would have been no blowback. He's an owner. Who cares if he's not there? You know, it's great. He doesn't get to show up. It's not a big deal. You can the team still has a general manager, a head coach. It can still function. It can still operate. And the NFL would have looked good uh, had they given Ross that kind of suspension. But then I think they would have worried about the optics of that would basically then be be that would have basically been the NFL admitting that uh, an owner was trying to throw games and kill the integrity of the game, which I think is really what the league was worried about. But I think the other part you brought up with Brian Flores and as a future head coach is that I wouldn't be surprised if owners, there are going to be several owners who are weary of hiring him. And here's why I think that, and I think Brian Flores did a great job. And if I was the owner, I would hire him. But Stephen Ross, everything he did was win at all costs moves. He was trying to get Tom Brady on his team. That is an owner who wants to win, trying to get Tom Brady uh, he is trying to get a better trap position because he knows he can't make the playoffs. That's that's what you try to do. You, you want to be the how do you improve your team with the highest draft pick. And if you put the best quarterback the, and and he just did it all legally. And so he deserves every punishment he got. But I think some owners might be like, well, you know, he threw Steve Brian Flores threw Stephen Ross under the bus, even though Ross, even though he did it legally, was trying to win. Right. Yeah, I think the the takeaway for me is, is this is that uh, owners in general, are used to getting their way. They're not used to people telling them, no, there's a reason, reason they're worth billions of dollars. Um, you can determine what those reasons are for yourself. But in a perfect world, you hire a good general manager, you hire a good president, you ha- and everyone under them, and then you get out of the way and let them figure out the winning. Because I would imagine Stephen Ross probably doesn't know much about football, uh, at least at the level that Chris Greer, Brian Flores, everyone else in that organization knows football. So don't stick your nose in there and just, I mean, yes, it's your quote unquote team, but in much the same way you, you own a Mercedes, just assuming here, he probably doesn't fix the Mercedes when it breaks down. He takes it. Someone knows what they're doing. So let, I'll just mention one more thing. And then we'll talk about the draft pick 
penalties, and then we'll move on to the, the topic of the day. So I mentioned Brian Flores' statement and mentioned some of the things that his lawyers uh, had said. Tell me what you think about this statement from Stephen Ross. The balls on this man is unreal. This statement from Stephen Ross, which came out about an hour ago as we taped this at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. So here, here's Stephen Ross's statement released via the Dolphins. The independent investigation cleared our organization on any issues related to tanking and all of Brian Flores' other allegations. I'm earning the I'm going earn on everything that's incorrect. So we're at two. <laughs> As I have said all along, these allegations were false, Arr. malicious, and defamatory. And this Arr. issue is now put to rest. With regards Arr. to tampering, I strongly disagree with the conclusions and the punishment. However, I will accept the outcome because the most important thing is that there is uh, that there be no distractions for our team as we begin an exciting and winning season. I will not allow anything to get in the way of that. I mean, how angry are you if you're Brian Flores when you read this? I mean, the gall of this man to release this <laughs> statement it is unbelievable that he, that, that he is saying this in, investigation cleared. No, no, this is insane that he did this. Uh, uh, yeah, this was a very interesting statement. And you know, the other thing about this whole investigation is how do you feel if you're either McDaniel or Tua right now, because you're reading that literally five months ago, Stephen Ross didn't want you. Uh, he wanted Sean Payton, didn't want Tua. He wanted Tom Brady. And so you're stuck with your backup picks. And, uh, you know, that's not a great feeling, especially if you're Mike McDaniel going into your first year, because if you struggle uh, with this team they've built around him, there's a lot of pressure on you now knowing that they didn't even want you and that now that they have you, you better succeed. So, um, you know, there's multiple layers to this. Right. And because Mike McDaniel is um, mixed, like I am, he might suffer the David Culley fate and get fired after one year. <laughs> That's a joke. But uh, the the interesting thing is Mike McDaniel was hired on February 7th, so that was after uh, the talking with Sean Payton uh, conversation happened in January. Right after the Sean Payton thing fell through. So I think you feel better about if you're Mike McDaniel than if it happened after you got hired. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, the other thing is, I think Mike McDaniel might be okay. Uh, he's young. He was he was like on the short list of guys that were going to get jobs anyway. Um, and David Cullen got fired for one season, perhaps unfairly, but that team still did win four football games. Uh, the other issues, I think if you're Tua, you probably feel a little better because there's one less. Well, and David Cully was put in a in a trash no win situation. I mean, he got. Well, this isn't a, if this thing goes sideways early, like this team wins seven, seven might be okay. Well, right. But I'm saying McDaniel has a lot of talent around him. The Dolphins yeah. have higher, much higher expectations. If McDaniel only wins four games, he arguably, I'm not going to say deserves to be let go after one year, but you could justify it. There was no justification for letting Colley go because no one thought that team was going to win four games. Yeah, fair enough. I think this might be best, not best case, but better case for two and that they only have, because here's the thing. The Dolphins had two first round picks going into the 2023 draft. So if you really wanted to send a statement, you could take away both picks. I mean, I think that says a lot more than taking away one pick um, or maybe even give it back to the 49ers. Awesome with that, because that pick came from San Francisco when they traded to get Trey Lance two drafts ago. That would be amazing. Because you're actually well, you're not penalizing San Francisco if you just do away with both picks because they they got their their return on investment is, is yeah. That's why you're the draft guru, man. I didn't even think about the fact the Dolphins had two first round picks. Like, well, this, I had to look. It's, it's a punishment without being you know like obviously they want they still have a first round pick, so it's not as and here's the thing. Let's say Trey Lance struggles and they they only win eight games, so then the Dolphins still have the fifteenth overall pick. I mean, who, who does that benefit? Well, we don't know which pick they stripped though. 
I mean, it's yeah. probably theirs, right? Probably, yeah. I think they took the Dolphins. I don't, I don't. What, know if, what if it's no... just the higher of the two? That would be that, smarter, that but would I mean, be better. What if they take the 49ers pick and then the Dolphins tank? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so two should feel somewhat better. That said, you still have one first round pick. Uh, they can't move up as much. They also lost their third round pick in the, in the subsequent draft in 2024. Um, but they're going to be four or five quarterbacks. They're going to be in the first round conversation. Once the season starts, there'll be a, a guy or two that sneaks in there that we that weren't, uh, wasn't on anyone's radar in August, September. And the dolphins, if Tua, it's just mediocre. He doesn't have to be terrible, but I, if he, you know, if he has 20 touchdowns and, 18 interceptions, you're going to be looking for a quarterback, especially with Tyreek, uh, Jalen Waddle, uh, Mike McDaniel going into year two, presumably. So hopefully Tua plays well. I think he's been doing pretty well at camp from the headlines and the reports I've seen, but it's all going to come down to him. Like it's not going to come down to Jalen Waddle and, and, and Tyreek Hill. That doesn't matter. It, all that matters is Tua. So that's the that's the Dolphins news. Does this well, and Real quick, fun fact. Yeah. You know, the Dolphins trying for three years, basically, to war Brady in. They're actually going to get Brady, but only to practice with him because they have joint practices with the Buccaneers next week, August 10th and 11th. And I'll mention this quickly. JJ also mentioned this in HQ. He said he doesn't know of any rule where it's illegal to talk to teams who are talking to you illegally. So I don't think Tom Brady or Sean Payton, for the matter, would face any punishments. I'm actually looking at there's already been the NFL PR has already said Brady won't be punished. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally looking at the NFL anti tampering policy as we speak. uh, It basically said if a club is contacted by a player. So Brady, even if Brady initiated the conversation, uh, it's the club's responsibility to shut it down and say, we need to stop. You, You can't do this, bro. You got to stop talking to me. We can't talk football. We can't negotiate. We can't do anything. Um, and then, yeah, that's basically it. The team's, it's the team's responsibility to shut it down. By the way, I can't get over Stephen Ross's response. I love it. Like I would be infuriated if I were Brian Flores at the, 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 the nerve of this man. But, hey, you know, like I said, these guys aren't used to people saying no to him. So, all right, we'll take a quick break, come back, and then we'll actually talk about some, some uh, burning questions. The NFC East. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, NFC's burning questions. So we'll start with the Cowboys. Um, saw the headline that my guy James Washington, former Steeler, uh, had an ankle, uh, had a foot injury. He's going to be out five to six weeks, I think. So that's an issue. Uh, especially since their their wide receiver uh, group is also without Amari Cooper, who is now in Cleveland. So uh, let's just start. Wilson, they have one wide receiver on their roster who has caught a touchdown pass in the NFL. CD one one healthy, healthy. Is CD healthy? That is CD. Okay, good. I don't know if I missed that too. All right, so let's go with the 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 first talking point. That uh, let's see what's Debo saying. Okay, so the first talking point brought to our guy cut by. It's on CBSports.com. Cody Benjamin wrote these up. And uh, is the offensive line healthy slash healthy enough? And uh, we'll get to the wide receivers in a second. I'm not even so much worried about their health. That's, I mean, obviously that is a worry because Tyron Smith has been uh, banged up for a while. But you're looking at an offensive line that lost two starters. Uh, you know, Leo Collins obviously now playing hmm. for the Bengals. And then, obviously, we spent all the time talking about the Dolphins. Connor Williams just left Dallas to sign with the Dolphins. So they lost a starting guard and a starting tackle. So those are holes they have to fill. Then you have to worry about the fact that uh, Tyron Smith has had health issues. Then you probably have the starting left guard, who's a rookie, in Tyler Smith, not to be confused with Tyron Smith. And so you're talking about two new linemen, two new starters, a rookie starter, and a, ta- a left tackle, I'm trying to get four up there, uh, who is banged up. So really, Zach Martin is like your only – it's just I'd be a little bit worried about the ca- offensive line from the Cowboys. I, I think that's a fair concern. Tyler Smith uh, out of Tulsa, I didn't love him as a first-round pick. Some teams did, and some teams um, liked him more in, on day two. Either way, we'll find out. But the the issue for me, he's young, so he'll, he'll get better. I think he was 20 when he was drafted, maybe 21. Um he led the nation or he was extremely proficient at getting holding calls last year. So that's a concern. That was a left tackle. So he'll kick inside. So perhaps that, that mitigates some of those concerns. Um, so just the fact that he's a rookie out there, that that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, hopefully he'll end up being a good player. Tyler Biotis is the center out of Wisconsin. Um, he's, he's good. He's not great. I mean, they had Frederick for the longest time. Uh, that former first round pick. Was Frederick the one they drafted instead of Johnny Manziel in 2014? I think it was. I think that's the right decision they made because they locked Jerry Jones in the in the closet, and then Stephen Jones took, um, took took Frederick over Johnny Manziel. I think that's right, and that's just yes. that's they just took, my. T- they, they took Zach Martin. Oh, Zach Martin. Well, Zach Martin's still there, still playing at a high level. Okay, so uh, he's still there, and he's still right. It was one the right of the call. Best guards in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. Always we come back to the playing in that division. So that's that's a positive because that division's not very good except for Depot's Eagles. But it doesn't matter. You, you, uh, you're still playing against guys who, who can get after it. So if your offensive line is an issue and your quarterback is the centerpiece of your offense, which it should be if your offense is sort of clicking, 
that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Cody also asks, and the story you can find on CBSports.com, will Tony Pollard's role actually expand? So I saw a headline the other day where Jerry Jones was talking about the importance of, of Zeke being more Zeke-like. Is the fact that he's paying Zeke so much money going to have uh, an effect on how often Tony Pollard is used? Because I know Cowboys fans seem to really like Tony Pollard. Uh, I would say yes, because every year that seems to be the case. Uh, you, you think that maybe, hey, look, 2019, Tony Pollard looks good, and he'll get more carries next year, and then he doesn't. And then 2020, hey, Tony Pollard looks pretty good. Maybe he'll get more touches next year, and then he doesn't. And then they, he did get a few more touches last year, but I think that was more to do with Zeke being banged up than uh, than the, the Cowboys finally turning the page and giving Tony Pollard the ball more. So uh, when Jerry Jones says – he literally said Ezekiel Elliott has, quote, got to be our feature running back in the run game. Uh, that's oh. just that's what that's what Jerry Jones wants. That's what's going to happen until he's until his contract is off the book. So I think they'll probably run Zeke into the ground. And, and you know, maybe Tony Pollard catches a few passes out of the backfield. But I think it's going to be a lot of what we've seen over the past three years. Yeah. And the rest of the depth chart is Rico Dottle. Dottle, excuse me, I'm Lee Davis. Aaron Shamkin, uh, those last two are undrafted free agents. Tony Pollard's contract, his rookie deal, is up after the season. He's 25 right now, and he's only his base salary is only $965,000 this year. So, I mean, the Cowboys are just doing it backwards. Like, this is the guy that you just lean on because he's not he's making peanuts. And obviously, you don't sign Zeke Elliott to that deal, but that that's a that's water under the bridge, as, as my grandma used to say, breach. So, yeah, that's what Jerry wants. So I'm sure that's what Jerry will get. And now let's talk about the what we led with here, the, the wide receivers. So James Washington's injured. You mentioned that CeeDee Lamb is the only, only one on the roster who is healthy, who has caught a touchdown pass. Michael Gallup tore his ACL last year, so he's coming back from that. Jalen Tolbert, they drafted out of South Alabama. He's He reminds me of Will Fuller, but he struggles with, with um, focus drops. So at least in college, hopefully – uh, that has gotten better uh, in the offseason as they head into training camp. Simi Fioko out of Stanford, sort of a raw pro- uh, project-type player they drafted last year. And after that, man, it is slim pickings. So, sweet Jesus. this You compare this group of wide receiver to the Eagles, and it's like not even close. Yeah, this is maybe why Jerry Jones said we have to re- rely on Zeke because there's no one else to rely on. Who you can throw the ball to? Who's Dak Prescott throwing the ball to? It is... C.D. Lamb or Bust. The Cowboys Dalton, don't know. Dalton Schultz. They don't know if Michael Gallup is going to be healthy or ready for week one or week two or week three. Uh, they're hoping for the best. James Washington injury could bleed into mid-October. It's six to ten weeks, eight to ten weeks. Uh, and if it ends up being the full ten weeks, you're talking about mid to late October before he's back on the field. Uh, and you just don't have a lot of experience here. It's C.D. Lamb or no one as far as the receivers go. and if that's the case, do you go out and try and sign a veteran? Will Fuller. Will Fuller. Odell Beckham, who also tours. Odell ACL. Beckham, I think, will be interesting. What about uh, bring your boy Cole Beasley back? Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But again, he's just not a big play threat. Like, you know, Odell Beckham, again, he tours. Well, ACL. You have CD for the big plays. That's true. Yeah, no, I think Cole Beasley, Manny Sanders, uh, no one is off the table at this point. Um, but if you bring in someone like Odell, you're back at square one because he's probably not going to be ready in week one or week two, and so you're right. still you still have no depth for the first couple weeks of the season. 
No, that's right. Yeah, that, that's a that's a fair point. I'm trying to find the over-under wins. There we go. All right, let's see what we have for the Cowboys. And then you tell me whether it's over or under. I wish there was an easier way to navigate this site that I use for gambling that we use all the time. Well, it's because you go to a handwritten website that's not actually on a computer. <laughs> that's the one that we're married to. Gosh. You are looking for ten and a half wins. Thank you. There it is. Of course, I find it. Ten and a half over ten and a half is plus one twenty-five juice to the uh, over there, right? Plus is over. Plus is juice, and under ten and a half is minus one forty-five. Oh my gosh, ten and a half. What do you oh, like? I I like the. They won twelve games, and they're in an easy division. And I I know it's crazy, but it's just. You like the under. I get it. Hey, look, they won the division by three games last year. Do I think the Eagles got better? Yes. Do I think the Giants commanders got better? Yes. I don't think they picked up three games. I don't think they've closed the gap completely. I still think the Cowboys are the best team in the division, and I think they can sneak their way to 11 wins. Worst offensive line, no wide receivers. <laughs> I mean, or one le- one fewer win. That's not ideal, but... <laughs> they went six. They went six and zero in the division last year. I don't think they're going to go two and four. I think worst case scenario they go four and two, and and then at that point you have to go seven and four in your other eleven games. You have games against teams like the Texans and Jacksonville and Detroit. So I, I just think their schedule sets up for getting to double digit wins. Just a matter of whether they get to ten or eleven. All right, I'm going under. You're going over. I'm sure this will change. You're going under. Yeah. Are you picking Wait, to win that division? You mentioned, me right now. You mentioned Eagles. You like the Eagles? I could tell. Well, you mentioned four and two in the division after going six and zero. Those two losses could come to to the D, the, the Debo Eagles. So let's talk about the Eagles right now. Worth noting, Cody Benjamin, who wrote the the story, is a bigger Eagles homer than Debo, if that's possible. So these questions um, have some heft behind them. First question to Breach, and then of course Debo will no doubt weigh in. Is Jalen Hurts ready to throw the ball more? So a year ago, it felt like Nick Sirianni in year one as the head coach. Wanted Jalen Hurts to throw the ball 50 times a game for the first month or so this season, and then he sort of figured out that it might be in the team's best interest just to have some balance on the offense, and they got they got better. So still, that said, if you're going to overtake uh, your front runners, the, the Cowboys, I get it, understandably so. Dak Prescott is the, the best quarterback in that division. Your quarterback has to be able to, to play a little bit. So where are you on Jalen Hurts? Can he throw the ball more and be more consistent? They have A.J. Brown now, who they traded for uh, on draft day. Devontae Smith is going into year two. What do you think? I don't know what to do here if I'm Nick Sirianni. Because, look, once you started running the ball, that was your bread and butter. I mean, you look at how bad the Eagles were running uh, the last couple of years with Doug Peterson at the helm, and they just were not good at running the ball. And then what happens? Nick Sirianni shows up, and they led the NFL in rushing last year. Nobody They, they averaged 159.7 yards per game. Uh, no other team in the NFL even averaged 150 yards per game. So they just ran over everyone. And so it feels like if that's your bread and butter, you should stick to it. But you can't. Uh, then if you do that, you're not getting the ball to guys like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown unless you turn one of them into Debo Samuel. Uh, I just think, yes, you need to let Jalen Hurts throw the ball a little bit more, but you can't overdo it. You got to make sure your run game's still involved because it may, it's part of what makes the Eagles successful. And Jalen Hurts' ability to run also adds into that. So I don't think you can just throw that in the trash. So Jalen Hurts last year, 
threw the ball 432 times, completed 61% of his passes. He rushed 139 times for 784 yards. That's huge. Lead, led the team in rushing. Debo, over under 450 pass attempts for Jalen Hurts. I think it'll be slightly higher. Uh, he played in 15 games last year. So if you project out a, a full season, you know, over the first five weeks, like you said, he was throwing 36 times a game. And then over the last oh, 10 games was throwing 25 times a game. And, and that's kind of that that 25 to 30 passes a game is is the range that I'd like to see. But like Breach said, you, you can't ignore how this offensive line is built and how conducive it is for Jalen Hurts running style. So a little bit more, but not a ton more in my mind. Uh, Debo, might as well come back to you. Does Jonathan Gannon of the OC have a plan for his new pieces? I can't believe Cody asked that question. He knows the answer to that question. What have you heard? Um, that would be the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Oh, so, that's on so me. My bad. The OC is Shane Steichen. Yeah, to add Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis as a first-round pick, James Bradbury, some notable additions. I you know, obviously expressed my displeasure with Nick Sirianni early in the year that changed over the course of last season. I don't think my thoughts around Jonathan Gannon changed much as the season developed. And I'm not super keen on, on them changing, entering this year. That's probably like a, probably the biggest burning question for me is kind of how he orchestrates this defense and, and if he can weave them well together already, we're hearing reports that, Hassan Reddick is is dropping back a lot in pass coverage when oh he's <laughs> been one of the most dynamic pass rushers in the NFL over the past two seasons. So already some continued burning questions, I'd say, there for me. Yeah, I have to apologize to Cody. I was calling him out for, for a question whether the offense could be ready. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, as Debo notes, is the defensive coordinator. So, right, Jordan Davis, they drafted Kobe Dean. They got in the third round. Uh, Jordan Davis' is a teammate uh, who slipped because of injury issues. You mentioned uh, James Bad- Bradbury. They added him. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Breacher, if you remembered it, because I had forgotten. Eagles also signed Tukwaski Tart. Oh, you know, boy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't pick them now. In, in good spirits. <laughs> On principle, I cannot pick them. In good faith. And I mentioned Tukwaski Tart because that he is the man that allowed Brinson to have the uh, the great pleasure of watching Matthew Stafford win a, a Super Bowl because Tukwaski Tart somehow dropped that arm putt interception in the NFC t- title game. So uh, that's the... Sort of the defensive side of the balls are sort of where the questions are, uh, more so than the offensive side of the ball. I still think this defense has a chance to be pretty good. Debo has some some reservations about Jonathan Gannon. Do you have any concerns at all about this defense breach? I mean, sure. This is a defense that gave up uh, 30 or more points in five games last season. That's, that's but not they've ideal. gotten better uh, in the secondary. Um, well, right, right. So I'm saying there are some concerns. And I do think they made some great moves, and I do think the defense will be better. So... Uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon's got to make all the pieces fit. He's got to make this puzzle work. You can't just cram it together and try and make the corner piece fit where a middle piece goes. You just got to, I think it's going to be better than it was last season. I do too. I mean, I actually, I like a lot. Of, I'm looking at some of these names in the secondary now that, that weren't there before. They're going into year two, like Zach McPherson, Kayvon Wallace. I think those guys are going to be better. Um, Reed Blankenship, the, the, he, he was on draft free agent. Mario Goodrich had a Clemson. I like a lot. Josh Joe out of Alabama. He had some day one, day two buzz a year ago at this time. So he played clearly in Alabama. He he um he's gonna get some great competition. Jimmy Moreland was uh at a JMU undersized, played for Washington for a few years, but he, I like I like the way he played in college. Um and of course my guy Javon Hargrave in the middle. 
that front four is insane. And then you add Jordan Davis if you want to add him as, as the, the fifth option. I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism. All right, what else you got? Cody, um, who's starting safety? So, Debo, we'll come back to you because you're the resident expert, and then we'll we'll weigh in. It's it's the guy that kind of propelled this podcast into Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer territory, I think. Deeply. So what about um, Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, Kayvon Wallace? Where do they fit in? I think um, I've heard some good things around Marcus Epps, but I think Harris is your guy and, and Tart are going to form the starting safeties. How do you feel about Chikwaski Tart? Because prior to that, I think we all generally had the opinion that Tart's a good player. You know, he's we don't hear his name called a lot, and then you know the arm punt thing sort of happened. I mean, that's that's what happens in these significant moments. Uh, I'm not going to say it's it's quite like Bill Buckner esque. Oh my gosh, you invoke Bill Buckner's name. <laughs> I mean, it it kind of decided off. a title to an extent, right? Yeah. No, that's fair enough. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's crazy, but yeah, a good player, hard hitter, um, I think will be embraced by Philly as long as he doesn't drop a crucial Oof. interception in the NFC Championship. By the way, RIP Bill Buckner. I was actually alive for that. I don't know if either of you are um, alive and watching was. baseball. I was a huge baseball fan at that point. Hate to see it. Do you know who was rounding? Who hit that ball, Breeze? Do you remember who hit that ball? It was Red Sox-Mets. Was that the game? Yeah. I think yeah. I, I know who hit it, and I know who scored. I'll see if I can. I think I think Mookie Wilson hit it. Mookie and, hit it. And I think that Nancy Lopez's husband Ray Ray's like Ray Knight. Ray Knight scored. I think that's right. Is that right, Debo? I know Nancy, Mookie's right. Nancy Lopez. I can't believe I got that. I couldn't remember Ray Knight's name, but I remember Nancy Lopez's name. Oh God. And wait, that was Game Six when Buckner I, did that. I think so. Yeah. And so the Red Sox literally had another entire game to try and win the World Series, and that they didn't. Right. And they also blew a 3 nothing lead in Game 7, Ugh. which uh, was not Bill Buckner's fault. It was the pitcher's fault. I won't Let's name any that. names, but I'm just saying. It's amazing. Who? No, what? Yeah, who scored? All right, we'll look for that in a second. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Ray Knight. Dang, pretty good. Wow, Wilson. Not bad for an old man. We, we right. the point system is th- that gets a lot of points. Yeah, I was wrong about Travis Frederick, but I, but I got the '86 Red Sox Mets game six game right. All right, let's do the over under real quick on on this team as well. Uh, do you have it in front of you? I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm sure it'll be the last one I look at. I I got rid of it. If I I thought you would have kept it up. I have it up. I just for a while, admit. it was it was nine. I'm not Here positive if it's yeah, it's up. still nine. Debo's right. Over under's nine. So uh, Bre- a breach. I love the over two. I mean, you're telling me they're two, a game and a half worse than the Cowboys. I don't think so. Debo, you obviously going over nine. You're going to be conservative. I will say over nine. Oh, there you go. So you know, not even a-, a game and a half worse than the Cowboys. They went, they won nine games last year. And do you this think they're better a- or worse? Better. I'm going over. Yeah, better. No, I can't believe the over/under sitting at nine. I'm, I'm, I'm credulous. I'm not arguing. <laughs> you're not. You sh- you, I think you're incredulous. It's not like flammable and flammable. It doesn't mean the same thing. Did it sound like I said credulous? I said incredulous. You, did, you I, nice try to save that one. You did. You hundred percent said credulous. I said incredulous. <laughs> Nobody oh, ever goodness. says they're credulous. That's that's like when you're overwhelmed. Nobody says they're just whelmed. It's just <laughs> nobody ever says credulous. I said incredulous. You would 100% say you're whelmed. All right. Speaking of uh, 
all the time. Credulous and whelming teams. Let's go to the Commanders. That's a whelming team. I yeah. love Cody's first question. What is Carson Wentz here to do? <laughs> that Cody is the question. That's a, quote, a question that's also some shade. <laughs> I would imagine that Cody, like Debo, is a huge Carson Wentz homer. At least he was until, uh, you know. I mean, based on that question, I would say he no longer is. He no longer is. Uh, what is okay, Breach? What is Carson Wentz here to do? Uh, I mean, I have no idea. I literally, are you handing the ball off? You cannot design. You know, we heard Nathaniel Hackett talking about we're designing the whole offense around Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's going to make us go. If we're getting the Super Bowl, it's because of Russell Wilson. That doesn't work with Carson Wentz. You're not designing your whole offense around Carson Wentz. You are not getting to the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. And so I think you have to decide, are we a team that uh, trusts Antonio Gibson and those running backs out of the backfield, and we'll just play it safe. We'll hand off a lot. We'll have Carson Wentz check down all the time. Or are you going to let him take risks like he did in Indianapolis where he would just wing it downfield and pray for a pass interference flag? Um, yeah, You know, I think they have enough receiving talent that if Wentz can be accurate and maybe get back to 2017 form, yeah, I know you're making the face. That's, that's how I feel saying this. But you have Terry McLaurin. You have Curtis Samuel. You have John Dots, Jahan Dotson. Um, so if Wentz could put the pieces back together, maybe the offense could be good. Maybe. I, I am credulous. So I'll just put it to you this way. <laughs> and for some reason, people push back on this and you maybe you'll do the same. Taylor Heineke athletically is not Carson Wentz. I think we can all agree on that. Taylor Heineke in my mind is just as placement level as Carson Wentz without looking. What was Taylor Heineke's record last year in 15 starts? Uh, not good. Six and nine, seven and eight. Okay. Let me ask you this. Let's say Carson plays the first 15 games. Will he win seven games? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's all about the schedule. If you oh, have an please. easier schedule, he could. I mean, they open up with Jacksonville and Detroit. Washington could be two and oh, and people are banning themselves well, over Carson Wentz because he played awesome against two mediocre teams. Yeah. My point is that I don't know what the differentiation is between Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, so that's, I think, your answer about what's, what's, what's Carson Wentz here to do is, is about the right answer. He's not the team uh-huh. you can put on your back. You have to have the complimentary pieces helping him. The defense has to step up. Um, Chase Young is back from the ACL injury, so on the defense they have to do more, um, so on and so forth. Jahan Dotson, you mentioned. Um Important piece to to in terms of the making the office good. They drafted Brian Robinson um, earlier than I thought he would go, but that's fine. Whatever to to offer some um, some backup behind Antonio Gibson. Uh, they drafted Phil Mathis also out of Alabama on the other side of the ball. Um, I'm looking to see what else they drafted uh, on defense. Sam Howell, gosh, my number three quarterback. Sam Howell, my number two quarterback, who I liked a lot. He ended up going in the fifth round. <laughs> crush that one so yeah we'll we'll see um i have i think it's safe to say i have low expectations for this team over under seven and a half uh keep that in mind breach because we still have a few more questions beyond carson wentz is there enough or a plan all kind of shade from cody at receiver so we mentioned ter- scary terry who's looking for a new did, did terry get a new deal yet yes okay so he got his new deal aj brown got his new deal dk metcalf got his new deal and one other young receiver got a new and deal. Debo. Debo. So they're all paid up. And as AJ Brown noted, only one got traded. Make of that what you will. 
Um, so they have Scary Terry, who uh, deserved to get to get paid because he was basically that offense. Curtis Samuel, um, who struggled last year with injuries. They have Deami Brown, who they drafted a few years ago to UNC, who was uh, looking to take the next step. You already talked about Jahan Dotson. So I think they have enough. Um, Antonio Gandy-Golden just retired after two seasons, I think, out of Liberty. They have Kelvin Harmon at NC State, who hasn't really put it together yet. And he's probably more uh, of a number four, number five guy. Uh, Dax Mill, not a BYU. So I feel like they have enough. But again... They have enough if it all works out. If Curtis Samuel can stay healthy. You mentioned the injuries. Uh, I think he's already missed a few training camp practices, uh, which is not good after what happened with him last year. Uh, We don't know that John Dotson is going to be good. He might impress in training camp. But so you actually get on the field and see that in an actual game. It's hard to say. So, uh, you know, it feels like it could be an okay receiving group, but they also have a pretty low floor because they could end up being bad. It's just Terry McLaurin carrying the whole receiving group. Yeah. Uh, Logan Thomas, who is um, in his 30s now, they drafted Cole Turner out of Nevada, who played with Carson Strong. Carson Strong now on the Eagles roster. So, yeah, they, I think, I don't know. They, they need a lot of things to go right. They have the the names there they have to be healthy and on the field and, and producing and we haven't seen that consistently from anyone other than um, logan thomas to a degree obviously then scary terry is the secondary up to the task is a question that uh, cody also asks so the secondary includes kendall fuller cameron curl bobby mccain and some guy named william jackson the third you will have experience with because he was drafted in the first round by the Bengals, 2016 one pick before the Steelers were going to take him, and the Steelers had to take what's his name out of Artie Burns out of the U, and that did not work out. They also have Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota from last year's draft, and um, a lot of young guys. Derek Forrest out of uh, Cincinnati's going into year two. Percy Butler was a, a safety draft. I think he was drafted on day three um, out of Louisiana, home to Emory Hunt. So uh, I think the, these, I think the secondary questions here are much bigger than the ones we just talked about with the Eagles. Yeah, I think that, first of all, you need big years from Kendall Four and William Jackson, and they're both talented. So if both of them are on their A game this year, then that's huge. You have two solid players at on opposite sides at the corner positions, and then your questions become, are our safeties good enough to compete in this division? And so that's where I think it gets a little more dicey. Yeah, no, I'm with you. All right, seven and a half over under. I mean, can you make a case for this team that went seven and ten a year ago doing better than that this year? I think they go seven and ten again. So you're going under. Is that no, that's looking out. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, absolutely. That's under. All right. I don't I don't know if they win seven games. That feels like a lot, if I'm being honest with you. And I'll a little I thought I thought seven games last year felt like a lot too. I don't even know how they did it. It's a, I can't believe that actually Ryan Fitzpatrick started week one last year. It feels like he's been retired for 10 years. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick two years ago better than Carson Wentz this year? Who would you rather have is the question I'm asking to, to play yes. for this football team. I think so, too. Look, I don't even think it's controversial. <laughs> That's where we're at. All right, one more team to go. A um, little sneak peek. I don't think this team we're going to talk about next is the worst team in the division, but uh, that's the order we're going in, probably based on last year's record, when which they won four games. Joe Judge got fired. Um Dave Gettleman got fired, so I do the fake typing maneuver. Uh, hired Brian Dable, hired uh, 
what's the who they hired? Who's the GM from the Bills that they hired? Shane, uh, Shane, Joe Shane, Joe Shane. So Joe Shane, Brian Dable are now in the building. We know Brian Dable's success with uh, quarterbacks, especially one named Josh Allen. That leads us to Cody's question. What does Daniel Jones have to do to stick around beyond 2022? And that's a fantastic question. We were talking early in the show about how if Tua struggles, the Dolphins still have one other first-round pick in, in order to determine what to do with the quarterback situation. Um, I'm pretty sure the Giants have at least one first-round pick. I'll check real quick. So what has to happen? Yeah, they have a first-round pick in 2023. What has to happen for the team not to move on from Danny Dimes next year? Well, I think that if he gets to at least eight wins, they'll think about keeping him around, but you don't have any incentive to. It's like kind of he's not a guy that's going to get you to a Super Bowl. You don't feel like he's your franchise quarterback, so he's really going to have to wow uh, with the new coaching staff. That being said, I'm not I'm, I'm not high on Daniel Jones, but I don't think I'm as low as everyone else. I actually think he can be an okay quarterback with a competent coach. And Brian Dable feels like a competent coach. We saw what he did with Josh Allen, completely turned around his career. Josh Allen's gotten better every single year. And so if he can cut down on the turnovers, I think that Daniel Jones could lead his team to seven or eight wins, as ridiculous as that might sound. I don't even think that I sort of agree with you on that. You're wildly up, you're wildly optimistic at times. But I think I said this all the time, especially during draft season. If um Daniel Jones had gone to the second round, no one would care. He'd be Andy Dalton in terms of expectations. Andy Dalton came in and went to the playoffs for the first five years. We've talked about that. It, the, the funny thing is, like, Daniel Jones' very first start against the, I think it was against the Buccaneers, his rookie season, he was just absolute lights out. And, you know, people had to apologize. I remember Daniel Olofsky having to apologize on ESPN for, for not loving Daniel Jones. And uh, Giants, Giants fans were gloating for that one week, and then things just took a terrible turn south. But I, I think you're right. I, I think he is not – like, we, we make him out to be – not to dump on Carson Wentz. He's not Carson Wentz. I, I think he has more upside than Carson Wentz. Uh, hasn't had the injury history. I think he had the ankle injury last year that caused him some problems. He had some injury that at the end of the year was bothering him. But I think in general, he's you can win with him. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with him. I get that. But, I mean, in Carolina, is he better than Sam Darnold and, and Baker Mayfield? He's probably in between those two. Like, I have higher I have higher hopes for Baker Mayfield, mostly the, the athleticism, the arm strength. Um, in Atlanta, is he better than Marcus Mariota? Yeah. Um, Jameis or Daniel Jones in New Orleans? Who would you want? Um, with that coaching staff, probably Jameis. But if like Sean Payton was the coach, maybe Daniel Jones. I just think that Daniel yeah. Jones can thrive with the right coaching. But if it's not there, uh, that he's going to look like he did the past few years. Right. Like, how about that? How about the Rams? Like, he's, he's probably somewhere between Jared Goff and, and Matthew Stafford, probably closer to Jared Goff, but that team went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Uh, so, yeah, I think mm, he's not better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I give Jimmy Garoppolo too hard a time. But he, again, in that vein, he would have success with Kyle Shanahan, I would imagine. Would you rather have Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, or Geno Smith in Seattle? Daniel, Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what is expected of Brian Dable this season? Um, personally, I think he could probably not win a single football game. He'll come back next year just because of the craziness, uh, the perceived craziness under Joe Judge. I don't know how crazy it was, in fact. But I think Brian Dable is a guy that you he has three years no matter what, and the, the hope is that he can fix Daniel Jones this year. If not, you draft the quarterback, and then you have two years to, to make that work. Yes, I like that. <laughs> and yeah, and that's the thing is you do have the franchise tag, so you don't have to – 
if it's something intermediate where they win seven or eight games, it's enough where you're like, okay, maybe this guy could be good. You don't have to give him that long-term contract. You just hit him with the franchise tag and you give him another one-year test. Yeah, I think he probably, I'll put it to you this way. His uh, leash will be much longer than Mike McDaniel's leash in, in Miami. Um, based on his track record, like Mike McDaniel is known as sort of the run game coordinator and and he has a lot of success there. But I think Kyle Shanahan was dialing up most of the plays, whereas Brian Dable was able to get the most out of Josh Allen, as you've probably heard by now. All right, Cody finally asked about this Giants team. Who is expected to defend the pass? So before you defend the pass, you have to sort of talk about who's rushing the passer. They drafted Kayvon Thibodeau with one of their first-round picks, which I thought was a fantastic selection. Uh, they have Aziz Ojolari, who actually had a lot of sacks last year, sort of under the radar, second-round pick because of a knee injury, probably first-round talent. Dexter Lawrence they drafted in the first round a few years ago. Um, so the front four, along with Leonard Williams, is, is pretty stout. Um, in the back end, Aaron Robinson, uh, I think he's a UCF guy. I liked him coming out. Julian Love out of Notre Dame, Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama, Dory Jackson, they signed from Tennessee a few years ago, Darnay Holmes out of UCLA, all guys coming into their second, third year. Then, of course, Dory Jackson's uh, the, the veteran. Uh, they drafted uh, Dane Belton out of, I think he's an Iowa kid. Let me double check. And then Cordell Flott out of LSU, who is, uh, yeah, Iowa. Cordell Flott might weigh 160 pounds, but he is good, man. So hopefully he's put on some weight. Um, and, and is able to compete, but he's listed as the backup at, at Nickelback. Um, but th this is a fair question. Like they don't have a lot of experience and sort of experience depth in the secondary, while the front four is going to be tasked with getting after and sort of take the to lighten the load of that group. Um, what do you just sort of eyeball this? Are you more concerned about this secondary? Or are you more concerned about the the Washington secondary? Well, I think if I'm if I have a secondary that I'm worried about, the NFC East is the division I want to be playing in. <laughs> I mean, we just talked about how the Cowboys have nothing behind CD Lamb right now because of their injury situation. Uh, we just talked about how the Commanders, Terry McLaurin's the only proven receiver on that roster right now. Uh, and then, yeah, you have the Eagles obviously with uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. But how good is Jalen Hurts going to be? Um, if he's asked to throw the ball more or are the Eagles going to stick to the ground game? And if they do, then you're the Giants are saying, thank God, we don't have to test our secondary because they're running the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but because they play in the NFC East, I also don't think it's something that is backbreaking and is going to keep them from competing. Not that I think they're going to win the division, but I don't think it's going to destroy their season. What did I say the Washington over under was? Do you remember? Seven and a half. Okay, the Giants is at seven. Woo! Woo, doggy. Seven? Seven zero. Yeah, I have went through their schedule and had them winning seven games, and that's a cop-out. I asked if the last one was a cop-out. This is a cop-out. So you, you're pushing? Is that what you're doing? I'm. You should, win, you should be able to bet on the push. Why can't you bet on the push? I mean, you can. It's like betting look, on... If you bet the under, you have... One through zero through six wins. If you bet the over, you have eight through 17. I'm guessing on one exact number. You're back. What, what is the double zero on the roulette wheel? You're betting the green? Betting the green. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'm going over. I think this team's going to finish Woo! third in the division. And I think that the Washington commanders are going to struggle a little bit for the reasons we talked about. And um, ah, they don't win eight games. No, they can win eight games. They went four last year, though. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, you look at what they did 
last season. Obviously, they only won four games. I don't think they're going to be that bad again. Uh, and you look at this year, you know, like you just said, if the commanders aren't good, you have two games against commanders. You get to play the Lions. You get to play the Texans. You get to play Jacksonville. You get to play the Carolina Panthers, who might be bad. You get to play the Chicago Bears. They just have a lot of the Seahawks. That's a winnable game now. Also, Daniel Jones was 4-7 and in his 11 starts um, before the injury. Mike Lennon went 0-4. Jake Fromm went 0-2 in their starts. Um, if you right. can tell, it, 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 well, yeah. So if people look at the record and see four and thirteen, you can't put that all on Daniel Jones. Yeah. So he was on pace to win about to win eight games. Um, right? Is that right? A little more than eight. Uh, if you could tell me who was third on the team in attempts, and it was more than more than two attempts. Okay. Was it a player? Was it a quarterback? No. Now, now I'm onto it. Uh, one of the receivers. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say punter. That would usually be your go-to. Yeah, Kadarius Tony, one for three. He I threw the ball three that. times last year. Maybe try a different trick play. So yeah, Kadarius Tony is is um, coming into year two. I think he's been looking pretty good from the, the camp reports I've seen. Uh, they also have Kenny Galladay. They drafted Wondell Robinson. Um, Evan Neal is now not Evan Neal. They drafted him, but Evan Ingram is now in Jacksonville. So they have uh, the the tight end position is actually an interesting one. Daniel Bellinger is listed as the number one. He's a rookie out of San Diego state. So I don't know how long that's going to last, but uh, Saquon Barkley is also back and has looked good from what I've heard. Matt Breed is there now. So uh, there you go. That's the burning questions via Cody Benjamin. Let's see sports.com. You can read about it for the NFC East. Anything else breach? Uh, no, I think we had all the burning questions. We had some, Exciting times talking about the Miami Dolphins. The MIAs. <laughs> the MIAs. Both the Dolphins and the Brinsons. All right. Well, well, we'll be back tomorrow for more Pick Six Podcasts. And I would encourage you to tune in just to see if Brinson shows up because of right now that's the uh where's Waldo game we're playing. And if he doesn't, you'll get me or Wilson or maybe actual Waldo, somebody wearing a red and white striped sweater. It's completely possible. I agree. All right, that's it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the old football. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.